how do you want to make stuff better than Mozart did? I mean, I'm not saying that we're doing Mozart stuff, but in a way we're copying the same way, presenting stuff from back in the days. Almost exactly one year ago today, um, I was in Odense for the first time and I uh, strolled to the streets and uh, I came to a little wine bar. I uh, went in, I had no idea what kind of wine bar it was, but what struck me was that they really knew their wines and uh, the service was uh, very authentic and, and very good. And then I left Odense and then one year later I came back, I went through the streets again and I couldn't find the wine bar. <laughs> I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find it. I went in three times to a new wine bar I found and I asked about this wine bar and then it turned out after the three times that it was in fact the same wine bar that just moved. Yeah. I'm talking about La Lue wine bar, I am in Odense and I'm talking English today because, um, well, as you know, Thomas and Ivan uh, working here in La Lue wine bar, sometimes Norwegian and Danes have problems understanding each other, what do you say? I, I, I understand Thomas, it. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I understand it very well. I've been fishing, fly fishing in northern Norway for many years, and uh, so I have family, quote-unquote family, up there. So I think it works well if you're slow and just speak very, yeah. yeah and we, we also have guests from Norway as well, so yeah, we are used to to hearing the, the language <laughs> yeah yeah you are used to the do you call it the tourist language or uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you could say that yeah, but yeah. yeah i i don't find it to be that problematic understanding no. norwegian i think it's easy actually but that's not what we're going to talk about there was more <laughs> uh, uh i'd say an introduction of how i came over your um, your uh, wine bar um on your web page it says that you go into the um the old uh, recipes, um, the old uh, the old school, if we can call it that, wine-wise, etc. Mm -hmm. um, let's start with you, Thomas. Um, what is what is the idea about behind this? Can you say something about that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've been working in kitchens, both Ivan and I, for 15 years, something like that, more or less, and um, that has meant through our travels that we've been working high level, meaning like Michelin level restaurants. And sometimes the food is very beautiful and uh, sometimes it lacks a bit of taste and authenticity. Mm. So we found that for our kitchen, because that's what we do at home and that's the people we are, that when transporting pleasure to, to people on a plate, you need to have your heart in, in the dish. And for me and for even it's easier to, to look back and say what has been done over the years that is really working. Italian food, Spanish food, French food. And, and what is what we've built on top of that can be great. But, but if you look back to the original, it's more or less always the best taste you will find. So instead of making it very fancy, we try to focus on making it very tasteful. I know that many great restaurants can do both, and I respect that. But for, for us, we would like to be the grandmother in Southern Europe that you didn't know you have. So, so you're more or less tasting countryside food instead of posh food. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that way even as well? Or, uh... Yeah, we're also two, two people, uh, and now some 
more since we hired uh, a couple of guys. Yeah. But we like to combine food and wine on a high level. So to understand the combination between food and wine, it's it's easier when uh, the food is simple. So we concentrate on, on simple dishes with high quality. So, yeah, as Summer said, we have done a lot of complicated food in our past. So so now we want to showcase uh, the simple things. The simplicity, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that is kind of a trend at the moment as well, as, as far as I uh, have learned and seen in the newspapers, the whole uh, simplicity in cooking. Mm. Um, is that Could that be because chefs are tired of the whole, let's say, working hours, these kind of things? Or, or is it more the into the passion or the... I think it's more into the passion. I think it's more um, digging into our past and and figuring out what is really working. Because in the time that I've been cooking, it's been a lot about building new stuff and building new recipes, building new taste combination flavors. And it can work. And then if you're a good chef, you can make it work. But yeah, for us, it's just more interesting, as as even said, to, to combine wine and food when the food is simple. Like imagine looking at a at hundred different colors and, and, and you need to focus in on what is really working for these hundred colors. It's difficult and it's for the best people in the world and they make it work at three-star Michelin restaurants, I'm sure. But sometimes it's it's just easier to see that color combination when it's about two or three or four colors instead of a hundred. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Keep it simple, make it work. But at the same time then it's like... Um, uh, there's a general misunderstanding, I would say, also that in terms of making simple food or mm-hmm. making advanced food in a simple way doesn't mean anyone can do it as the respect for the... Simple the, the, for you or simple no. for me? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, but, um, but we try to focus uh, on the preparation. Mm-hmm. That can be complicated or take a long time, mm-hmm. but... But the dish is simple, coming out on the plate uh, in the restaurant, in front of the guests. That's the important thing. But if you start with a tomato sauce, a bechamel sauce, grated cheese, you need fresh pasta, you need maybe some sort of meat in there, you need blanched spinach, you need something in, in that lasagna, whatever you're doing. It takes an awful lot of time still. So it's not that we've made uh, kitchen work super easy it's not super easy it's just based on on pillars that are from back in the days do you feel having a wine bar because you are outside the door and on the webpage saying you are la Lou wine bar mm-hmm. uh, do you feel that people know that you have and not only a kitchen but a very um, a kitchen that's very well thought through um, with a lot of work um, I think it will take time still uh, because, we, as you said, we've just moved a year, almost a year ago and moving meant that we've built a kitchen that is prepared to, to take on this workload. Therefore, we didn't have this kitchen in our old wine bar. So we still need people to figure out that, that you can come here and eat. But we're very focused on staying a wine bar because we want people to still come for a glass of wine. Mm. If they then see that dish that they want to eat next time or now great if they don't great uh, if you say you're a restaurant then you're not a wine bar are you? but you can still be a wine bar and a restaurant so that's quite um, there's there's a long plan behind that 
Yeah, it's it has something to do also with uh, the expectations of the the guests coming yeah. in. Yeah. If you say you are a certain type of restaurant, they all already uh, expect something. But if you say you're a wine bar, but you can also eat very good, mm. that's uh, kind of uh, the thing that we want to build up. So, but it it takes a, uh, I don't know how long, but people have have to get used to using the place uh, in that way. I think I can follow that train of thought because for myself uh, as I before I explore the food and wine world when I just looked at the restaurants or looked at the signs or whatever mm-hmm. it's it was no that looks too fancy for me or that looks like uh, yeah uh, we're jumping to conclusions and mm-hmm. I even heard a, a Michelin chef saying what I want on my uh, three star Michelin restaurant is for someone to stop by and have a glass of wine in the bar uh, exactly. say hi to us uh, have a buy to eat and then leave and then you're back to where we started yeah you can use your michelin star experience if you want to put it like that creating a new simple kitchen and wine bar you cannot use your low-key kitchen skills and 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 coming from 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 nothing to build this you, you it's easier using your high-end experience on a low-key place mm. than the other way around mm. you see what i mean yeah Yeah, and then you, uh, say Lalu, and uh, not you personally, because uh, that's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> you here, um, and, and and the product you you serve here. Um, if you want to say something about the food, um, um, let's start with what you have now on the menu. Um, what are your thoughts behind what you're serving here? Well, in general, our inspiration comes from uh, the Mediterranean countries especially Italy, Spain and France. And then uh, we aim to have two or three warm or hot dishes. That could be a risotto or pasta. That could be a certain type of meat we want to present. Uh, and then we also have uh, some dishes that are good for sharing. Uh, cold cuts, uh, mm. prosciutto, uh, cheeses, uh, Uh, canned pro- uh, fish products that we're very proud of mm. from Spain that works very well uh, so as long as it's uh, simple and high quality we we're interested in uh, presenting was that this something you felt you wanted to open here was this something you felt missed in Odense as a city or um, the, the product you're serving the food you're serving the the style or we we felt that um What was missing is a place that you can just go in and have one dish mm. if you want. But at the same time, if you want to have five dishes, you can do that in the same place. A lot of restaurants focus on set menus. So you have to eat three or more dishes yeah. going into the restaurant. Yeah. Where here you can have a glass of wine, share some cheese or whatever you, you like. You can also have four or five dishes Uh, to to have a full evening actually yeah drink half a bottle go to the mm. cinema come back have another dish it's, yeah. it's not that complicated yeah and how much do you think your experience because you both are experienced chefs and you've been I've seen the world and, and worked at uh, uh, a lot of restaurants um, as you told me 
how much do you think that experience is uh, it's needed for uh, valued yeah yeah valued i I think people get stuck in that menu and that set uh, meal and and maybe they're a bit bored with mm. everything mm. because they can calculate as well as me that if I'm buying this, then the glass of wine is probably costing me this, then the, the first dish is probably costing me this. Mm. And, you know, it's sometimes I feel that restaurants are hiding uh, financial benefits in, in menus <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. I have... I just want to order whatever I want to order yeah. and then leave when I want to leave. Yeah. Um, but but places are different. People should do whatever they want. But but the world is full, or Denmark is full of, of places that have set menus. And I think we are a bit bored with that in general. And I know our, some of our guests are as well. I'm coming back to the one we are looking for something original, it says on the webpage. Um, and what is original? Original can be recipes that have been popular where they're from for many, many years. Mm. It can be dishes that you always come back to. A certain pasta or risotto or uh, yeah, the, the sort of uh, meals that your grandmother cooked. <laughs> Coming back to the grandmother. But... Um, That's the, for us, the original, uh, the originality in, in that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not our take on a certain recipe. We we try to keep it original. Mm. Uh, it means sometimes that you need to not be that invested in making it posh and fancy, but instead. Mm restrain yourself a little bit from coming up with a great idea on top of this original dish just do whatever you know and and whatever you know it's supposed to be like don't don't try to change it mm. and uh Don't, don't change a winning team kind of uh, spirit. Yeah, right. I guess most of, of, of this comes from, from traveling and, and living uh, especially in Italy and, and seeing dishes that people are eating every day. If you're working uh, in a restaurant in Tuscany, for instance, I've, I've worked in many different ones. If you don't serve pasta pomodoro for staff food, then you're fucked. I mean, that's, that's, that needs to be there every day. <laughs> and, and if you then take a Heinz ketchup and, and, uh, and a basic pasta from, from the supermarket here or some tomatoes and try to cook something, you say, that's not a great dish. But that's because you don't have the right tomatoes, you don't have the right pasta, you don't have the right education, because the dish can be great. So I guess it's honoring those great, great dishes that, that are popular for a reason. They invented carpaccio in Venice. You have steak and bernet sauce. You have so many great different dishes, crepe sucette, mm. uh, tiramisu. Uh, stuff that you can change a little bit, you can make it into your own, mm. but but you can also stay on the court. Don't don't throw it out of bounds because it's already great. As you um, hold that thought, I just want mm. to say that this is radio or podcast, and uh, you cannot see me smiling because uh, this is serious. But it also makes me very hungry when you're <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking about the whole. Uh, yeah, food makes people happy, and that's the basic thought of what we do when we yeah. go to work every day. It's only about one thing. 
it's only about one thing, making people happy yeah. and making people happy through your craft. And um, if you do that, then maybe success will follow. But if you start by figuring out how much it will cost and this and that and financial side of things, you probably won't succeed because you're not doing things passionately. Mm -hmm. You need to start with the passion and then if the money follows, great. If not, then you've done your passion anyway. There's also the advantage of original dishes that when our guests come come home from a, a holiday or travel, <clears throat> they can recognize some of the dishes from their travels and then make them very happy or comfortable and want to order that certain dish. Mm. So that's also... I got this in Italy. Yeah. yeah. And now I can get yeah. it in them fantastic. Yeah. 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 For instance... If you had a very good uh, vitello tonato or something like that, and yeah. you present that made with good produce, you will make people very happy. I can recognize this actually. <laughs> I have to admit, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and why do you think it's like that? It's, uh, I think it's um, comforting, yeah. so it's uh, makes them feel at ease and can relax. They can recognize it, yeah. and also. Uh, it's easy to compare wine and food to other crafts or arts and and if you look at for instance music uh, how do you want to make stuff better than Mozart did I mean I'm not saying that we're doing Mozart stuff but in a way we're copying the same way presenting stuff from back in the days and I don't know I haven't heard great classical music made uh, better Uh, than they did 200 years ago or 50 years ago or 60 years whatever I mean there's nothing wrong with 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 uh, realizing what was the top of this craftsmanship and then staying with that you don't need to 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 change it to make it better obviously you heard of some guys called Noma in, in Copenhagen mm. maybe mm -hmm. and, uh, and then when they traveled to Mexico for their pop-up um, they invited everyone at the hotel uh, over there for uh, uh, a dinner mm. um, and then one of the staff one of the girls they, she said I was so skeptical to what they were doing with my grandmother's recipe and uh, the old things and the respect out of the old things mm. and then afterwards she started crying and saying this actually made me realize mm. what I have forgotten that my yeah. grandmother mm, does it best so yeah, yeah then they they hit it right on the head yeah. um, do you feel people have that kind of discovery with you like when they come in here yeah sure they can relate to some, something they had in their childhood maybe or, yeah. uh, that's kind of the best uh, relationship with a guest you're gonna have if They just glance uh, and say, "Wow, I had this in my childhood." Or they can you can recreate a memory uh, out of a dish. Or if people go to restaurants that we really look up to, and then they come here and they order the same dish, same dish, I don't know, but but the same, yeah, writing on on the menu, and they say it was just as good or even better than this and that. Then we're really proud, obviously. We're going into a subject I'm also um, thinking about asking, and I think now is a good time, that, that creating memories, because that's also one of the uh, 
most intense food moments I had, what made me go from, let's say, food is okay and food is something I eat to this is art and this is passion. Mm. Um, and I can understand, the, let's say, the foodie generation mm. uh, growing up, which is memories, because when you get something and you, it reminds me of, reminds you of something, um, how important is that in cooking? The I think it's super important. And, and Sven, I think you basically food and wine is transporting energy so you're transporting energy you start with something from the sea or something from wherever and then you transport that into another person you you're transmitting energy and if you're doing that right then you can actually create emotions in people right when i say right i mean that when it goes through your hands and through your oven, your pants, your whatever, then it comes out on a plate and creates something true and something that actually moves people. Um, that takes skill, some skill, but it takes more having great produce and knowing how not to spoil it. Are you following from the kitchen when people eat, like to see their faces? That's our reward. Yeah, yeah, sometimes when we, for instance, introduce a new dish, we... Yeah. We kind of uh, want to look at their faces <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. a face, a face or a smile doesn't lie. We can see if you're happy or not, whatever you, you say. Um, and you can add that to your paycheck, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then you can create new memories if you can activate some memories yeah. in people. You will also go from just a meal to a memorable. Meal. Yeah, yeah, then something you remember. Yeah, yeah. Then you make it possible to create new memories. I also think. Um, I also think there is something with you can't hide a smile. Or um, I can still remember my parents when my mother was in a I need to lose weight period, and she started to cook something she didn't uh, normally yeah. cook. And my father looked up and said, "This is very interesting." I don't know. It 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 it, it takes craftsmanship as well we were visiting three michelin stars in lyon uh paul bocuse what two and a half months ago with the staff and it was just a great great experience and they certainly uh transmitted more than just great produce let me tell you that they were craftsmen at a very high level and that was beautiful to watch and with the food, um, you also serve a wine because you are a wine bar. Uh, yeah, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah, first and foremost. Uh, yeah. What's the idea behind uh, the selection of wine? I mean, we, we come back to the something original and, and mm. I see you have a lot of French uh, wine mm. on the menu. But mm. what's your idea behind uh, the, the wines and the, the concept you, you have here for? Uh, we serve uh, European wine. Uh, so you can... Uh, I guess you can say that's the old world, but all wine production came from Europe uh, at some point. That's why overseas countries, you call it the new world. But also because uh, we don't hate American uh, uh, wines or New Zealand wines or, or whatever, but we have to stay focused. Because now, right now we have 350 different wines so if we, if we had to represent the whole world, it would be, yeah, too many wines. You need more employees. you <laughs> <laughs> would be chaotic yeah. as well for people yeah. to come in. It's easier to understand the concept when you know it's just 
from this area, more or less, or this continent. And, and all, yeah, and also it goes very well with the food that we serve. So for us, it's natural to keep with the, the original wine-producing countries. Could you shortly explain before we go on that the... Um, the difference between old and new world so so europe has been a wine growing country uh, for many many centuries because of the church and the christian belief in in europe so it's been grown here in in germany and and uh, italy uh, france uh, spain austria mm. uh, mainly uh, for for centuries and uh, then as all of us know people start to explore uh, other continents and bring uh, stuff with them. Um, mostly also Christian missionary people that mm. went abroad and brought uh, wine production there. So, so therefore, and other things, uh, therefore we call it old world because everything comes from here. Mm. Uh, but uh, we also got a great helping hand uh, here in Europe during the last part of the 19th centuries century when 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 all wine here died due to a, a disease in the vineyards and when i say all i mean everything so when was this this was in the very end of the 80 of the 19th centuries 1865 70 and um, there was a disease called phylloxera and it wiped out everything and um a clever man figured out that it was due to the rootstocks that um, that there was a disease in the plant. So they changed that with stuff that they had brought to, to to uh, for instance, the United States years before. Uh, so we could replant everything on. And that's also then America is a new world. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We call everything that is not European due to these stories and due to this yeah. history about Europe yeah. for new world wine. Yeah. But you're focusing uh, focuses on on the old world and uh, yeah, yeah on the European wine yeah yeah we we didn't really think a lot about climate crisis to be honest uh, and and to bringing stuff from a closer distance but it is a fact as well that bringing wine from from South America or wherever is a little bit problematic as well since wine is very very problematic in in terms of of climate. I'm jumping a little out of this now to say um, we talked earlier about going in, having a glass, having a bite, being, let's say, informal and, and just mm. stopping by. Um, I've gotten several of my non-food-interested friends coming to me saying, well, it might be that it's uh, informal, or but, but we don't dare to to go in there and that's not my kind of place. How do you how do you make sure new people coming into your place feels welcome? Mm. Um, For instance, we don't have a white tablecloths on the tables. Mm. We try to keep uh, the settings, uh, the music, uh, the approach to the guest uh, informal, so they can relax and uh, feel comfortable. Mm. We try to teach our staff to to be. Uh, leveled with the guests so if the guest is on a date don't bother them too much leave them alone if the guest is very wine interested and needs to taste four or five different burgundy wines then we do that but we do it in um, we try to level with the guest in, in instead of coming from from above them with our great knowledge mm. then we try to come from below and say where are you right now how can we help you yeah, yeah. understand this grape have you had Gewürztraminer before? No, you haven't. Okay, you need to expect this and this. 
it can yeah. pair very well with this food. Yeah, also find out the intention of the guest mm. and let them know that you can stay for 20 minutes or five hours. It's up to you. Mm. Or your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That as well. That as well. The best thing is when people uh, think they are going to stay 20 minutes and they actually end up staying for several hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That because that, that's that's a very good example, I think. Yeah. Because then you also, then you know you've done something right. Mm. Yeah. Um, if they announce, um, I'm going to have half a glass of wine, yeah. and then I'm going home. And, uh, and mm. we have very, very, yeah. very, very good uh, colleagues that, that can take care of you in that way. And, yeah, and yeah. all of a sudden, you figure out you you've lost five hours. Yeah. Or you gained five hours. I want to talk a little bit about the decoration and, and how it looks in here because normally, yeah, in, I'd say in a television television show, it's very easy. You don't mm. need to to see it. Yeah, yeah mm, to say how it looks. But um, there are bottles um, facing the wall. Um, I guess it's different uh, types of brands you have, maybe. Um, yeah, it's wines that we are proud of that we once served and. Every day we wished we didn't serve them because we want to drink them now because they were so great. And but still we served them and we are proud of that. So we need to see that and 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 remember that. Yeah, and some of them are a series of uh, of tastings that we mm-hmm. we had in here. Uh, so maybe a theme if you're looking at some of them can emerge. <laughs> It's what uh, wine people call a flight, meaning a. Uh, uh, series of wines served uh, in a tasting that's a flight of wines mm. so some of them i'm looking at right now are from alto conterno in uh, barolo and they are from a very special tasting i think in 2017 a supplier of ours uh, rang me and he said i'm on holiday here and uh, in the basement of this house i found these wines that i just, I don't know how, but I'll bring them home. And he brought back wines from Alto Conterno uh, that you can't buy anymore. So now it's only six years ago, five, six years ago, and it's already impossible to buy the wines. Uh, we're looking at Grand Poussia from 85, from Colonello, Romirasco, all the different cuvées from Alto Conterno. So there's many great wines. We've been lucky enough to serve... Lalu Bisloas wines many times, so that's why we're called Lalu because of a female uh, winemaker, uh, the greatest of all time in 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 Burgundy, and she's Lalu Bisloa, and her bottles are considered uh, among the very best, if not the best, wines of uh, Burgundy, and we have served that five, five times. times. Yeah. yeah, so does she know she have a wine bar in Denmark? Yeah, she because she uh, actually knows. Yeah, there was an article uh, in the newspaper. Yeah. Weekend Avisen. And that was actually translated and sent to her, that article. So she knows that we're here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I think she. I would be moved today someone called me and say, You have a wine bar called up after you. So yeah, <laughs> I guess it's the same yeah. thing for her. I guess the amount of success that this woman has uh, means that it's probably just a drop in the water <laughs> in, in the seas. But, but it's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also, um, as I started with uh, the whole, uh, you you moved uh, not very far away. Mm-hmm. Um, my little stroll in the town was uh, it was a two minute move. Um, but I guess um, 
there's still a lot um, to uh, there's still a lot to maintenance and to to work with and to have this uh, the venue you have now mm. um, how do you cope with um, running a restaurant and having the wine bar and in the city here and then do you do you make a profit is, is basically what I'm what I'm asking Uh, Mentally or financially? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a financial podcast. No, so I'm no. more like a good, good answer. You can, you can answer the way you want to. I think I'll start. Then, uh, it, it, as everybody in our business know, it's it's super, super hard work. And and even if we are on our couch for two or three days a week, not doing a lot because the work is so heavy, it's a big pleasure because it's what we've been built to do we've worked for this so many years to create pleasure for people with food and wine and there's nothing i would rather do but i won't lie it's 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 hard work and we are i just turned 43 and mm. you are 47 so so <laughs> who's counting yeah, yeah. Who's so counting? look around in the, look, look around in the kitchens and, and see how many people you find are working 70 hour weeks in uh, in the kitchens uh. And I'm not complaining because I really like it. It's just, to be honest, at, at times it's really difficult for my body. Yeah. yeah. But we also have that philosophy: if we don't make money, we, we, we're not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But of course, a couple of years with uh, the COVID-19 virus made it very difficult to to do uh, business, uh, and. Obviously, it's very expensive to to move the the whole place and then invest in a kitchen. But uh, but we're building for future, yeah. and and I don't think uh, that we have had a year with a. a I think we've had a, one or two years with a small negative result, but that's because of other things. I think in general we've made a profit, a small profit, doing what we do. And I think I can say from. Uh, without answering, wow, that's really good, guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in terms of from from the guest side, um, mm. when you're starting to getting into authenticity and, and those places who make a profit mm. uh, and make a business out of it, mm. and, uh, which is something they are in their full right to do, mm. um, you can you can taste the food, mm. and or you can't taste the food mm. in the same way that people that. Yeah, have what they're focusing on in a little mm. small place with uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I mean, our our plan is definitely to to make money doing what we do because it's a big investment. So we we need to focus on that as well. But it's not what comes first. What comes first is the passion, yeah. and and being able to please people with uh, the religion that we believe in, food and wine, and 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 transmitting that to other people. And if money follows, great. If not, great. How many are you working mm. here in Lalu? We are four people working full time. Then we have uh, a young guy, Nikolai, coming and and helping from time to time, one or two times a week. And then uh, we have some help with the dishwash as well from time to time. So yeah, that's it. The place is not built to have ten employees, but we could maybe be one more or whatever. But mm. but it's it's good we've. We've added people now, and and that means that we can do a better job because they're they're great people. And how much do you? Do? This is something I often think about going into restaurants in general. Uh, how much do you think the guests think about uh, 
the things that are not food and wine but still important in a restaurant let's say the lighting or the music mm. or the vibe or the uh, the scenery is like how, how they appreciate it or yeah, not appreciate yeah, yeah. I think uh, the guests will appreciate the ambience a lot yeah. I think uh, sitting in a room where you can't hear you or yourself or your partner or whatever because of the noise in the, in the room is horrible and I think people leave uh, because this was a great place <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so we, we've focused uh, it, that's important Sven yeah. we've focused on, on those things sit in a chair where you can sit for hours yeah sit in a room where you can listen to your people around the table without getting a headache, uh, drink from glasses that are nice, eat from plates that are clean. I mean, it's basic stuff, but you can still screw it up. And uh, so we, we've started from the very bottom with that because yeah. it needs to be right. If you can sit down and don't know where the past three hours went, then you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, If you're constantly focusing on how the chair is killing your back, then maybe it's not that great. (laughs) How did you like the restaurant? No, everything was perfect, but the chair was killing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it takes away the focus. from. Yeah, uh, and then you hired this great chef and you have these great wines, but but you can't sit down and relax. But what's that all about? You need to start from the bottom. It's actually a very good point in terms of... um, People normally say it as a joke, either in newspapers or among friends. It's like, uh, how was the restaurant? It was fantastic. The food was... And then as a little joke, it's like, uh, the only thing was the chair was killing me. Mm. Which means basically that mm. you were thinking about that chair the mm. entire evening. It yeah. ruined everything yeah. with the meal. and the, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so it takes small adjustments that when we moved to this uh, place... It took a lot of small adjustments with the lightings, for instance. Uh, yeah. Which way uh, the, li- uh, the light pointing in the wrong direction, the right direction. Uh, so that every table is a good table. Uh, yeah. That's something that we have uh, focused on. It doesn't matter. We have a lot of guests. When they book, they ask for the best table. But mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know what, what that is <laughs> because we think all the tables are good. <laughs> Should be like And, that. Yeah. That's also something I have on my list, actually, with, uh, I'd say, guest preferences. I'm not going into uh, the, your personal guests because that's... Um, mm. I would be surprised if you start naming names. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's kind of your job to... I'd say read the guest and um, and what's the p- people ask for the best tables but do solo diners for instance have things that varies from people coming two or three or uh, do you see anything there not really not really I think as even said if you if you built your place so that all the tables are well set up then then you're good um, I like serving everybody but i like when people are, to be honest, not too drunk. I, I find when, when people come and they're too drunk, I can have a great wine and they can ask for it because they're millionaires, but I, I, do, I don't really want to serve it no, no. because it's not for them at this moment. They're no. too drunk to no. appreciate it. No. And um, I like people that are basically interested in food and wine and open-minded people so that you can show them new stuff. I like Nebbiolo, yeah, but have you tasted this grape? It, yeah, it's also great. Fantastic. Yeah, guests that are open for surprises. Yeah, are good guests. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But we we have yeah, as you said, we have both solo diners, uh, couples just wanting to 
speak amongst themselves and larger groups. Uh, so everybody needs different kind of attention. Yeah. I never understood. I heard, um, I talked to a Michelin inspector in a hotel once. He revealed it after, like uh, talking to me, gave him some front and back with the, and I couldn't understand why he was talking. And then, yeah, he showed his, his famous ID card. I've never seen one before. So mm-hmm. he said that I always ask for a table with my wall, uh, the, the, my back against the wall. Okay. Uh, and I was like, that sounds weird. Was uh, he in uh, Iraq or? No, no, no. It was more of a no. Yeah, he just likes to when he's alone. Okay. Uh, he doesn't like feeling that he's sitting in the mm. middle of a restaurant. Ah, like, okay. Well, that's actually a very good point. And the next time I went to restaurants, I do you have anything <laughs> with my back? <laughs> yes, <laughs> the wall. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I can yeah, see yeah, everything. Yeah. So I can see and follow everyone. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't have. A, and then you end up being the weird guy anyway because you're the lonely guy in the yeah, corner. Yeah, but it's, so. it's, it's, it's insane how one table is great one evening, one bottle is great one evening, and yeah. the next day a different guy says the exact opposite about the table or the wine. So just goes to show that we are all different. And you can say, serve the same wine to the same person a week later, and he appreciated it last week, and now he hates it. And it's the mm. same wine. So it's also emotion and, 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 and daily, you know, how do you feel today and how's your, your mood, basically. Yeah, yeah. Have you also, um, have you also some guests who maybe forget that you are the same people in the same <laughs> wine bar? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We have guests that say uh, silly stuff because they are not regulars and they have heard this or that and yeah, you just yeah. need to. In my younger days, to, to give the example, it was more of a, and I've smiled and laughed with the guy who owns that bar, but like when you go into a place, you don't have a relation in terms of you know them, it's just a bar. Yeah. And then you have a glass of wine or five, mm. and then two or three weeks later, you come in and it's like, I'm a different person. It's like, nobody knows me here. And mm-hmm. you forget the fact that, yes, they do. Yeah. They've seen you three weeks ago and mm. they remember you. Yeah. That's uh, true. Do you have good long-term memory for uh, for things? Or? I think I, I think I do. I think I've built that, that because of service. You need to remember people's faces. Yeah. If not names, then faces. What did they drink last time? What did they appreciate? Mm. Um, yeah, that's part of the way of yeah. That's, you, you, need, you need you yeah. need you need that mm. for sure. Going into um, your place in Odense as a city mm. um, because you are. Um, as I've come to learn and, and also you told me um, all about authenticity simple things um, and you decided to open a wine bar with food <laughs> in Odense mm. which is a city that's been very recently refurbished um, what do you see or what do you wish for the food and wine scene in the city to be like um, uh, we wish for well, for for the past five or six years, a lot of new places open up, and we would like to to have them consolidate so they can yeah. keep going on, obviously, uh, and also, well, new ideas are very welcome. Uh, new concepts uh, could be a good thing for the the city. We don't have a Michelin star restaurant yet, but uh, that would also probably mean something for the gastro tourists coming here we are both from copenhagen and um we joke a lot about the way that the people from copenhagen see odense at this point it's one hour away by train or an hour and 15 depending on which train 
and it feels like it's a different world uh, for people from Copenhagen because they don't believe that stuff is actually going on here and can be interesting. So also um, restaurant um, uh, people from from magazines that come out to 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 to, to do critics about 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 wine bars and and restaurants they're they're very reluctant to 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 look at Odense in a new way. So they would rather write about the same restaurant that they already know uh, in Copenhagen, or yeah. So it's it's a lot of same same. I I, I would very much wish that bigger newspapers, critics, people would look up from their desk and figure out that there's stuff going on in the rest of... Yeah, yeah, and it's going on before, uh, let's say, it's going on right now. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, Sometimes I, 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 I feel that... Mm, that they should be more open-minded and and be exploring a lot more. It feels like they're hanging a lot out with the same restaurateurs and and looking at their new projects instead of of actually new, looking at new stuff going on, new trends, new ideas. I can recognize going into Norway where I'm from or in, in other places of the world where I've seen exactly what you're talking about now, the whole... I guess this is not so good because it's not in the capital. Um, mm. so I, I have this restaurant. It's not yeah. as good as the one in Oslo or uh, it's not yeah. like in Stockholm and Sweden or it's not like in Copenhagen. It's like, well, what's that about? Yeah. Um, Prejudice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, that's what it is. Um, yeah. yeah. People have a, t- a tendency to compare with the, the bigger names in the, the capital. Mm. But, uh, yeah. And there's We'd no, like make that. no. Uh, since I started that discussion, make no mistake, because there are fantastic restaurants and restaurateurs in Copenhagen. Oh yeah, for sure. That's not Stockholm. what I said. Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah, no, exactly. And I, I think, think the best ones in in, in <laughs> Denmark are there for sure. That's not to be debated. Everyone I'm here is the best. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just interested in in critics not running. Um, Uh, with the same story all the time and the same people, the same chefs, the same oh, yeah. come out and see something new, not necessarily our place, but some of the great restaurants here in Odense. I think that's also been the, and I can say that because uh, <laughs> I'm not from the Michelin Guide. Um, I feel that that's been part of their problem as well, as what I've read, that they've, I'd say this is what's in front of your nose, mm. but they lost the whole um, respect they had for many years because they were unable to renew themselves or follow the way I used yeah. to, to to look at, at, at restaurant criticism and, and journalist was these people are here because they need to give me a new idea through their newspaper about where I need to eat tonight interesting places new upcoming places something I need to know and now when I open a newspaper or a magazine it's more I knew that already yeah Yeah, heard that, did that, done that. I think they they're running, chasing their tail too much. Mm. Otherwise, look at the chefs because if they write about a new restaurant, maybe it's a former chef from Noma, as you <laughs> mentioned before. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the six thousand new they, chefs <laughs> or former <laughs> chefs from Noma. Yeah. Then they would go there and and have the meal there. Yeah, yeah. And they have, of course, been instrumental, um, mm. but. Uh. I say normally, I would guess that you think it's nice to hear about other restaurants and other people. For sure. And, uh, but 
the whole Noma thing is also because they have been tremendously uh, yeah. successful and they have done an amazing for work. a reason for but sure. for a reason yeah yeah we have the respect in the bottom and then yeah, it's like yeah, also yeah. Um, there's no disrespect no it's but, just but it's very easy to sell your article if the chef is a former Noma chef because you have an angle but it doesn't necessarily mean the guy's a great chef mm. or even the place is interesting yeah it doesn't mean it's not interesting either it's just the easy way out i could start with my next podcast uh, going into a wine bar saying i have eaten at noma so maybe you want to talk to me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what i was working i was working for free uh, in in london uh, some years ago uh, at a two-star michelin restaurant at the ledbury road and uh, the only thing the guys were talking about was noma have you been to noma have you eaten there have you worked there i think it's interesting what Noma has done and I think it's a great thing but there's other things happening as well I think maybe it could be something about the whole uh, fame yeah yeah it's the fame sure. and, um, before it was El Bulli everybody was talking yeah, yeah. about El Bulli or certain other restaurants uh, but it doesn't mean that other guys that are not from there can't be great <laughs> <laughs> How important do you think um, a newspaper article or a good review uh, is for your uh, restaurant or wine bar? Or, uh Not as important as it was 10 years ago. Exactly, and that's the point. People are no longer looking at this as a milestone for where this restaurant is. It's becoming more blah, 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 instead of actual criticism. Mm. Because I know that that guy writing the, the story is friends with this guy who knows that guy who once would engage to his sister and they all connected. Mm. So it's it's boring stuff because you can't really look at the, 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 the review um, as you should, judging what they've eaten and what they've done, in my opinion. Uh, and nowadays, almost everybody is a critic because you can put it on the on Instagram or there's also these foodies or food bloggers yeah, yeah. that so there's kind of a re review everywhere uh, you look and how do you cope with that where I'm, I'm now just more diving into the um, uh, general um, impression of what's going out there for you guys because mm. You're probably used to, let's say, the critics who are going into very deep into what you do and say, I like this, I didn't like this, and then maybe mm. a, a four out of five stars, the whole classic mm. one. Mm. But the Instagrammer and the new world, they are more like just describing what they're seeing. It's mm. like, oh, it is a restaurant, and then there's the food, and then there's the next dish. And people like that because it's... Mm. But but for you guys, it must also be... yeah. There are some certain super uh, superficial, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and there are also some people that maybe doesn't have the background for mm. coming out with a review, but mm. does it anyway, mm. and not, uh, as you say, just describing the place. But there are people that uh, uh, said we didn't like this and that. Uh, And you don't know what their background. Maybe it's just uh, another IT guy, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> coming into a podcast, <laughs> yeah. bothering you for an hour. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, but no. But it, it's a very wide and, and uh, because I don't sense any negativity from, let's say, the, the business either, uh, or the, no, the or the not the business, but the the, um, 
uh, chefs and waiters and uh, no, no. no 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 there are uh, two sides yeah. of the it's story more, it's, it's it's all new yeah, yeah. Well, we're looking at what the majority of our guests are, are thinking and you can look at that on TripAdvisor or Google or on Instagram and and you can look in and say are these people happy if we serve a thousand people how many people do we have that are um, bothered by our approach mm-hmm. and if not then then you're great yeah and either way they create some attention about your place so it's th- there's two sides of that story <laughs> all PR is good PR <laughs> if they want to write for a, mm. the entire weekend on, on their computer and, and, and post that on their Instagram by all means do it uh, I'm not necessarily agreeing on everything they're writing but it's their uh, page they can do whatever The Michelin inspectors, have mm. they been here, as you know? No. 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 Not to our knowledge. <laughs> Do you spot them? Do you have like experience in spotting them? or? I have uh, a, a couple of experiences where I've been working uh, in places where uh, they came to eat. And um, most of the time, the restaurateur, the head chef did not know. But the inspector would, after the meal, come up and say, I am Mr. or Mrs. Uh, we are from the... Can we have a tour of the kitchen? Can we meet your staff? Can we say hi? So they were eating and drinking without letting people know, obviously. And then afterwards, they let um, key players in the team know that we're from this and that. Other places I've seen that uh, the head chef or the restaurateur knew that Michelin people were coming because they had been briefed on that because the evening prior they were in this and that place and the other guy rang them up or yeah so I've, I've seen it yeah yeah I've also worked uh, in a place where we had a, a Michelin inspector but as you said Thomas uh, people from the other restaurants call all their <laughs> friends in the other places uh, there's one guy in, the, in town he's booked in this name Mr. Buick or Mr. Johnson or uh, whatever Mr. Walker <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so for one. Yeah. but uh, yeah I read that uh, also uh, one of the inspectors now travel with his wife yeah. or something yeah I heard that uh, so he, he he doesn't always book in Uh, just for himself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So, um, to be honest, I've, I've I've worked in many places with Michelin stars, and I've even uh, been a head chef where we built a Michelin star in Tuscany. Uh, it does not really interest me. Uh, I'm more interested in making people happy with mm. the stuff that uh, this team wants to present, because that's what fuels me. Yeah. The most important critics are the, are your everyday guests. Mm. They're also the ones paying the bills. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I am also thinking that um, because I, in one of my previous podcasts, um, uh, talking to uh, uh, Ulrich Jepsen at LS in Oslo, yeah. uh, he's, <laughs> he said something about the Michelin inspector where he had a guest coming in uh, pretending to be a Michelin inspector <laughs> for four hours. That's he was, clever. He was an actor from Australia. And That's then, clever. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I Notebook and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but then as the wine came it was like it became more and more suspicious for uh, this is not a Michelin inspector but that also gave me the idea of yeah. I've never yeah. thought about that before yeah. but uh, people probably do that 
Yeah. So yeah. you should look out for people pretending yeah. to be Muslim. <laughs> but let me just say that that is the right way to inspect anything or write any article, make any criticism, not to be famous, not to be known. And that's one of the problems with journalists these days, writing that everybody knows them. They should not be known to people. If you want to come in and criticize stuff, then make sure that you are not a known name. In that case, I'm... Uh I'd had my last time at Lalu uh, telling the honest truth. From now on, I'm just going to say everything is very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas and Ivan, um, we're uh, getting to an end. Thank you so much for Thank taking you. the time. Thank you for stopping Thank you so by. Du har hört Sven tar kökenvägen. Likter du denne podcasten, kan du trycka abonner i Spotify på iTunes eller der du hører podcast. Mm.